The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Levis. Bat it out of the air. It's a free ball. Jared Ivey knocked it out for Ole Miss. And Tavius Robinson has recovered. What's up, players? This is the talk of champions, franchise player. Always boss player. Forever. Ole Miss is 5-0, following a 22-19 win over Kentucky on Saturday. What a game. What a game. In a matchup of two undefeated top 15 teams, Ole Miss squeaked by Kentucky. This is another edition of Franchise Player, a site crossover podcast of the Ole Miss Spirit and Inside the Rebels. He's David Johnson at Rebels 247. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. David, how you feeling after that? Woo, man, I tell you what, tough on an old man, Ben, but, I, man, you couldn't have asked for a – more beautiful finish, right? Mm. Jared Ivey swatting the ball out of Will Levis's hand. Tavius Robinson, Johnny on the spot. Um, man, as you said, Ole Miss is 5-0. and And look, we're going to talk about this game. But I think we'd be wrong to not talk about the big picture here. With Vanderbilt and Auburn up next, I predicted this back in the preseason. Not to toot my own horn, toot toot. But Ole Miss should be. 7-0 going to Baton Rouge in three weeks. This season is setting up for a, a very, very interesting finish. It hadn't just been you and me. Everybody, both media, fans, coaches, players, they knew what this game meant. They knew what it could potentially mean with a win. It's a turning point game. It's the fulcrum point like we talked about on Talk of Champions earlier this week. This is the moment. You can't build it up like that for months. I mean, we're going all the way back to the spring when you're looking ahead to the schedule and you see that easy September schedule. Now you're cooking with gas and Ole Miss got that win. So you can't build it up and not say it's that significant. It is. This is a big deal. You know, I know we're going to get into this, but but look, kudos to Jackson Dart today. He didn't win the game for us with his stat line, but Jackson Dart stood up to the plate and he hit it out of the park. He managed this offense. He had the one interception right before the half. Other than that, you know, find some criticism in Jackson Dart because I really can't playing against his first ever SEC defense. And look, you hold his stat line up to Will Levis, it's not going to look good. Okay. He was 15 of 29, 213 yards. Will Levis, on the other hand, he was he was a machine. 18 of 24, 222 touchdowns, no INTs. So, you know, there's that. But Jackson Dart's team won by three points. I saw growth in Jackson Dart today really more than I have any this season. And yeah. uh, I think he's going to continue to grow. And before Ole Miss gets into that tough meat of their schedule that's on the back end, and, we, we, and that's not to discount Kentucky. We all knew Kentucky was going to be a test. Um, I think Jackson Dart's going to be ready. I think he's going to be, be – he looks good right now. I'm just saying congratulations, Jackson Dart. Mission accomplished. 
I agree with you completely. I wrote this on Twitter during the game. It was the most in control Jackson Dart has looked all year. It was. It truly was. I mean, never a um, never a moment where he looked confused, where the offense didn't look on key. Look, also, look, kudos to Jake Thornton and that offensive line, okay? I know there were snap issues the entire game. It was obvious Eli Acker was playing out of position. But, you know, a red shirt freshman in Michael Pettis, and we've all been hearing really good things about him, made his first career start today. The Ole Miss offensive line did not give up a sack, ran for 180-something yards on Kentucky. And, uh, look, those big boys up there, they can block. They're doing fine. And now, through five games, the unit has given up two sacks, two quarterback sacks. Uh, you're starting to see some of that depth show up a little bit. They've got to fix the center issue. Truly, they need Caleb Warren back in that lineup as soon as they can get him. But, um, it, you know, and then there's going to be an odd man out somewhere. Somebody who started a game this year is not going to be starting moving forward. It's up to them to figure that out. But they've got guys up front that can block. And I hope everybody doesn't crush the old line this week because I thought they played well. No, I thought they played really well. And I'm glad you brought up Micah Pettis. We hand out helmet stickers to players of the game. It doesn't matter if it's a win or a loss, and Micah Pettis is going to get one for how well he played. It's unfortunate the offensive line played so well, and what most are going to remember about the offensive line are those snaps, because those snaps snap, are a problem. Yeah. They're, they're a problem. And Caleb Warren, he had his own issues with that, even before he dressed he did. and didn't start today. Um, but now you see why Eli Acker, I mean, it, it's not just a one-man problem. It's not as easy as – hey, just slide Eli Acker over and remove Caleb Warren because the snaps are bad. That's a center-wide Ole Miss problem. And I want to make note of something now. Neither one of those players until college in this year had played center ever before. They're converted guards. This is new to them. That's generally the rule of thumb yeah. for centers, though. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be a too, too good of an offensive lineman in high school to play center in high school. You're going to play tackle or, or you're generally going to play offensive tackle and then they'll move a smaller tackle down to the center spot. So no excuses there. Look, you got to snap the ball. If it takes snapping it, you know, 10 extra hours a week or 20 extra hours a week to be able to snap it, you got to do it. That, that's that's rule number one for a center. Nothing else really matters. Oh, 100%. Get the ball to your quarterback. It's not an excuse, but there does need to be a little bit of an understanding of what Ole Miss is going through developmentally with those guys because they're good offensive linemen. That doesn't make them good centers yet. That's a very distinct difference, I think. Um, but Jackson Dart showed a lot of growth, even in the interception. Because, look, Ole Miss had a chance for points on a nice drive before the end of the first half. And Jacquez Jones, the former Ole Miss Rebel, he'd been hobbled at Jacquez Jones with an ankle injury earlier in the game. He played through it, and he baited Dart into a throw in, into the zone. And, he, and Dart was intercepted. It was a big swing, the second, I think, consecutive big swing in Kentucky's favor in the game that Ole Miss started out dominating. I think they were up 19-6. to six. But that wasn't the disaster play that we'd heard so much about plaguing Dart since the spring. That didn't really meet that criteria for me. I didn't see it as a disaster play. That's just a developmental young quarterback still learning, got fooled by one of the best defensive minds in college football, in Mark Stoops. He gave him a look that tricked him, and he threw a pick. Good play. Tip your hat to the defense, because I thought the rest of the game, Jackson Dart, like I said earlier, was the most in control he's been all year. I, I just want to say straight up off the bat, 
if anybody's got some beef with Jackson Dart after that, that guy showed growth, real growth. You d- you need to stop all that because he showed real growth. Absolutely, Absolutely he did. Uh, big game today. Yeah, look, Quinshawn Judkins just keeps doing it. Keeps doing. We it. knew Zach Evans wasn't a hundred percent healthy. He towed the ball nine times for twenty four yards. Managed to get into the end zone. But it was Judkins, 15 times, 106 yards, touchdown. And thank God for Quinshawn Judkins. I, and I'm going to tell you what, I, this is I'm, – I'm putting my recruiting hat on here. Lord have mercy, we should have done whatever it took to get Barry <laughs> Brown to come to Ole Miss. Lord have mercy. We got him on a visit. You know, it was close there for a little while. He ended up going to Kentucky. Let, let me tell you something. I, I – I, I know why Quinshawn Judkins and Barry and Brown were co-players of the week last week for freshmen in the SEC. Uh, Barry and Brown's a real deal. He's going to be around Kentucky two more years before he's in the NFL. But I was impressed. I, I oh, really was. Absolutely. Also former five-star is Barry and Brown. I want to touch on that real quick. Uh, made two game-changing plays as a returner and also that big late game catch and run on a screen that he turned into 50 yards. And now Ole Miss has yeah. to make a stop to either not to either send it to overtime with the field goal or um, keep them out of the end zone and try to win the game. They won the game by forcing a turnover. They got the best possible outcome. But Barry and Brown, holy cow. We knew he was good. Former five-star prospect. We knew that. And Ole Miss was so hot after him. And uh, Kentucky beat out Ole Miss primarily, in my opinion, through its ability to pay him through NIL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kentucky's got a got an impressive apparatus up there. If you wanted Barry and Brown or you want the next Barry and Brown, give to the Grove Collective because <laughs> that's why you didn't get him. That's true. And right as of right now, and this is shocking, I, you know, I'm talking to Walker Jones yesterday, and Walker tells me, yeah, we, we've got 300 members. Are you kidding me? Come on. Come on. There's got to be more people than that. And, and there's a level for everybody. But anyway, I don't want to stray off on that. Look, Malik Heath today. Hey, man, he's got the biggest bark of any dog in the barn so far. Six catches, 100 yards. And on a day when Kentucky shrunk Jonathan Mingo out of the offense, one catch for three yards today. Uh, it was Malik Heath with the big catches. They have a really good connection, it seems like, do Dart and Malik Heath. And that's something I know they were working on. It's not like Mingo wasn't working on it either, but Mingo was taken out intentionally by Kentucky. Malik, he stepped up. But it not only was it just him coming back to the ball or anything like that, Jackson Dart was looking for Malik Heath because Malik Heath, it seems like they have a really good connection so far. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, uh, you know, six, six balls, 100 yards, as long as 26, 16.7 yards per catch. Targeted nine times, six catches out of the out of the nine targets. But you know, again, I go back to Mingo. Look, that's a problem you've got to fix. Mingo was targeted six times today, one catch for three yards. You you you've got to figure out a way to get Jonathan Mingo open and get him the football. Yeah, because if you want to take that next step, if you're Jonathan Mingo into that AJ Brown tier, whatever tier, Elijah Moore tier, where you're going to get yours no matter what. It's not just about the coverage. I mean, you sometimes have to create for him when he's being schemed against. And it just didn't seem like – and a lot of the of the play calling stuff was questionable, especially in the red zone. If we want to nitpick before we get into all the good, because there's just so much good from this game, the red zone conservative play calling or just the conservative play calling in general in the second half, that is a nitpick, a fair nitpick. 
Yeah, I can agree with that. I think so. But we won. Ole Miss won. And, 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 and you know, I don't want to go too far on the negative here. There are things we can nitpick about in every game. And, and look, a big ball game here. Big ball game. We knew it was going to be close. Um, I didn't foresee it ending the way it did. I thought A.J. Finley would pick one off to seal the deal. But uh, that didn't happen. But uh, Tavius Robinson scooped one up to seal the deal. So, you know, I'm happy. Everybody should be happy, uh, at least for the next three weeks. And then this nail-biting time when you go to Red Stick. 12 straight home wins coming in, now 13 for Ole Miss. And they did it against the Kentucky team ranked number seven in the country with a no-doubt slam dunk first-round NFL draft pick at quarterback. That I'll be honest. I came in. I was a pretty big doubter about Will Levis. Completely changed my opinion of him. That kid. I'm exact opposite. I look for the it factor. And that I didn't find that today with Will Levis. I didn't feel it. Hey, 18 of 24, 220, two touchdowns. That's great. But, you know, I, I'm used to seeing Matt Corral out there in that situation. Matt would have won that football game for Ole Miss. It didn't work out that way for Will Levis. And, uh, you know, you might discount that some, but. A lot of voodoo goes on in NFL draft rooms when they're trying to figure out, hey, this guy's a first-rounder, or we're going to wait and see if he's available in the fourth round. Um, I didn't see him as a first-round pick. But, you know, I've been wrong before. I didn't see Malik Willis as a first-round pick last year when I saw him play in person. You know, I think he's got a pro career, but I'm not buying all this first-round stuff. Oh, I completely disagree. I can't tell you how many times. I mean, the kid broke or dislocated the finger on his non-throwing hand Popped it back into place, taped it up, and he goes out there and he's – I mean, his offensive line is bad. Kentucky's offensive line is bad. So, to see almost generate good pass rush against them, that's what they were supposed to do if they're a good defensive line, and they did that, so we can call them that now. Well, and to see him continually take pressure in his face and make tight window throws over the middle, those are NFL throws. And in an NFL offense, he's got the arm, he's got the toughness, he's got – the IQ, and what he showed me in 18 of 24 is this was a player under duress all game by Ole Miss defensively, and he still made plays. And the fact that Ole Miss beat that player by forcing turnovers on him just shows how much better Ole Miss is overall as a team because I feel like Will Levis is let down by what he lacks around him. While Ole Miss, while they don't have their quarterback in the same developmental place as Will Levis, he showed growth, and the rest of it is better than Kentucky, and they proved that today. Well. Okay, case in point, Will Levis has Barry and Brown around him. Why? Why did Brown only have two catches today? They should have put the ball in Brown's hand every every chance they got. And, by the way, I, I, I stubbed my toe on the way to the press box food line the first quarter. I rebounded nicely, too. Congratulations. I'm proud of you. Rub some dirt on it and get back in the game. I'm, I'm proud of you there. Um, but I will say that Ole Miss – was at a little bit of a pacing advantage defensively um, compared to Tulsa that goes super fast, the number one passing offense in the country. Almost was more prepared or is better equipped to be prepared for an offense like they face today, which was 12th out of 14 SEC teams in pace. They're a slow-moving offense. They're very much a methodical offense. They run the ball. So why did he only get a couple? Well, that, that's probably because of game script, quite frankly, because they want to run first. Here's the thing. They came in last year, what made them so good and made them, win, I think they'd won eight straight games. So almost did this over a team that won eight straight. Um, they wanted to run the ball with Chris Rodriguez, having him back, the returning leading SEC rusher from last season. And he'd been out with an NCAA issue. 
and finally he's cleared, and they tried to run the ball. They'd been running the ball at a terrible clip, 2.4 yards per carry, and it looked like Chris Rodriguez was getting some space and making some tough runs, and yet when you look at the final stat line and what's impressive for Ole Miss defensively, yes, Kentucky rushed for 108 yards, but on 37 attempts, 2.9 per carry. It didn't matter yeah. that it was Chris Rodriguez. That That's no. what he defensively. Yes, last week, everybody was let down and thinking, oh, Kentucky's going to beat the brakes off of Ole Miss. Now we can officially say that was a, just a letdown game. That's what it was. I, I was shocked when I saw Rodriguez's final, final stat line. Me too. I mean, I watched the game. I was, I'm thinking, this guy's 120, 130 yards, 72 yards. Um, average 3.8 yards per carry. That's crazy. His longest run was 10 yards, Ben. 10 yards. I felt like Rodriguez was running all over the place. <laughs> Nevertheless, let's get to the helmet stickers. Helmet stickers, who won the week, a lot of things. But I want to start with the lead because there's one hot-button topic online, at least, that I want to cover. It's the lead. What am I hearing? The lead. We're going gorilla. We're taking it to the streets while keeping an eye on the street. The lead brought to you by Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. David, did Will Levis get targeted? No. Thank you. No. (laughs) Thank you. Well, the whole targeting rule is it, it, it's so much bull crap into that. And look, I know player safety comes first, and all these coaches are going to stand in front of the microphone and tell you player safety first. Sure they are. Let me tell you something. When when a kid who can run a, a 4740 is running as fast as he can with the football and a, a, a defender who can also run a four or seven or better 40 is running as fast as he can trying to tackle him. They're not thinking where their head's going to be. I dare you to coach it. I know you can show them film. I know you can show them how, but those things are going to always be part of the game. And it's stupid. The penalties are so stupid. Um, you know, and, 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 I, and I know there was a, a, a the fumble play where Levis fumbled the ball. Uh, there was some some bickering back and forth as to whether or not he had been targeted. It wasn't called on the field, and it shouldn't have been. It, it shouldn't, shouldn't have been. been. Kentucky I mean, was moving. It was the first of two drives late in the fourth quarter when they had an opportunity to either tie or go ahead and Ole Miss forced turnovers. So Kentucky's moving in deep in Ole Miss territory. Um they had converted, I think, multiple third downs, including a couple in a row, and faced another one as Will Levis, an NFL quarterback, carried left on a design quarterback keeper. And what that means is he is a runner, and runners, as far as targeting is concerned, have different rules for them. This is what happened. Tucky will take its time. Levis, the keeper. Well, he lost the football on the contact. And Ole Miss has it. A.J. Finley came up with the football. Yeah, it was Austin Keys, number 11, who knocked it out. Levis was trying to fight for yardage. There's the first hit. Here comes number 11, Keys, and knocks the ball out. Clearly a fumble. So almost gets the turnover, but then you had ESPN coming out of a commercial, bitching and complaining about how he'd been targeted, yet as a runner, he lowered the crown of his helmet and initiated contact. What is the defender supposed to do? If you're going to say it's about player safety, if that is targeting, call targeting what it is, and that is offensive player safety because he initiated the contact with the crown of his helmet, and yet 
people from Kentucky yeah. and all over are trying to get mentions on message boards saying, oh, he was targeted. They were ripped apart. Bottom line is this. They ripped off. Bottom line is this. Kentucky wasn't ripped off. It had multiple opportunities and almost made plays, and that wasn't targeting. So almost won the game. Kentucky didn't get ripped off by a referee crew that was bad all day. That's not what happened. No, no I didn't see it that way at all. And, uh, you know, that's a whole other podcast, I guarantee you, about this targeting bull crap because so many games – so many big drives are the the outcomes are changed on that, and and look, I think even replay gets it wrong sometimes. I mean, I mean, you know, and I know they're going by the letter of the law with the rule and all this jargon, but come on, man, you you can't as a safety or as a cornerback go in to make a tackle knowing a which way the offensive player's head's going to go, and, and really b the last thing you're thinking about is, oh, do I have my head in the right place as I crush this guy? I mean, there's, there's got to be a different a different answer for this because too many games are being affected by, by bullcrap calls, and I'm glad today this one wasn't. It wasn't. And I, feel, I bring it up because of this. The story is not the targeting or the lack of a targeting, according to some, but they're going to try to make it into that, and it'll take away from the real story which is Ole Miss defensively came up with two turnovers on the two critical drives of the game with Kentucky having the ball deep in Ole Miss territory with an opportunity to either tie or go ahead. So if anybody tries to create this into, oh, Kentucky didn't get a call, well, there were multiple calls Ole Miss didn't quote get, including a missed face mask on Quinshawn Juckins, which would have sealed the game. Besides that, the real story is how well this Ole Miss defense that not too long ago had Ryder Anderson covering a wheel route under Wesley McGriff and is now one of the better defenses, one of the better overall units in the SEC. And if it's one of the best in the SEC, one of the better ones in the SEC, what does that mean? It's one of the best in the country. So that's the story. That defense against that NFL quarterback, against a team that was ranked in the top 10 and has a comparable success rate over the last couple of years, only Ole Miss and Kentucky, or excuse me, only Alabama and Georgia, have more wins than Ole Miss and Kentucky who are tied for third in the SEC over the last three years and Ole Miss beat that team, not because the refs ripped off Kentucky, but because they made the plays at the critical moments. Here's Lane Kevin, Ole Miss head coach after Ole Miss's win over Kentucky. All right, so, you know, really exciting win, obviously. Um, you know, in some ways, similar to last time we played those guys, coming down to basically the last play, and um, our guys showed up. We said all week. You know, Kentucky's a really good team. They play really hard. They play physical, they play hard, we're gonna have to play harder. And you're gonna have to counter them. Um, this Coach Stoops has done that for years, does a great job. And they were physical today. And um, in, in, in there, you know, our guys showed up and, and we put it on the D-line that last drive, said, hey, you gotta go take this thing over, you know, because they're gonna finally be throwing the ball um, and go in it for us. So, that was good to see. Obviously, we got a lot of work to do, things to clean up. Um, crowd was awesome today. Uh, you know, you know it's, who knows? Did they fall start at the end because of the crowd and help us win the game? Very well could have. So um, that was awesome to see. Playing twice in the fourth quarter with them driving and an opportunity to go ahead, you guys make plays on defense. What does it say about the job Chris has done with that unit and some of those veteran guys that made plays? Yeah, I think they really believe. They play really hard. Um, we did not, you know, because of their pace of play, rotate many guys today. So, you know, guys, 
a lot of them played the whole game for the most part in the back seven. Um, and, and Chris has done a great job. And, you know, we're out the guys, and we've been very multiple at what we played. And, you know, that's a top ten team without the running back. So he wouldn't play before, and go ahead and rank in the top ten. So with him, you know, obviously they're even better. So you know, that's a big time, you know, defensive defensive day, especially at the end. We've talked about the success coming off the edge all season, but just how validating is it to see those guys when you're only rushing three or four as often as you do get home as often and make those big plays? Um, really big because, you know, we're based out of the three down, and so that's kind of new this year. Um, and part of that is having JJ, uh, who, you know, was able to play some day after being out for a while. And, you know, having spins, you know, we can play in there, they can really rush. And it was great that Ivy made a play there at the end. You know, we always talk about getting better. We tell you, he was the same guy that didn't make that play basically seven days ago. Similar play, and um, it was awesome to see. With, uh, you know, of course, the shuffling on the offense, but I'm just curious to know your assessment of that and how certain guys in certain spot, you know, either rotation or what you guys see out of that? Um, yeah, we did, you know, with the center down. <clears throat> Obviously, that, you know, causes issues. And, you know, we had to double move some guys and play guys in different spots. And, you know, you're in the SEC and, you know, you're playing with two freshman offensive tackles. So, those guys did a good job. Micah basically his first significant play starting, um, you know, against a very hard defense to play against. Um, you know, they did a good job. Off the left, Blaine, yesterday you had the, the big announcement the NIL stuff. Today you went a, a nine straight regular season game. What do the last two days here mean for the future when you look at this program going forward? I mean, I hadn't really thought that way. Um, I didn't even know nine regular season or whatever. Um, but, you know, it was really good timing that, you know, kind of relaunching the collective and even though it's not really us doing it, um, you know, it was, was really good. So uh, that, that'll be important because you won't sustain the success. You know, I'm honest about it without that. So um, that was really awesome to see the energy around it, but I haven't thought here as much of that as the energy today in the stadium and the walk and, um, you know, like to tell our players when you play well, what you're supposed to do. So keep doing it. We appreciate it. Back of the room. Coach, what does it mean uh, for you and the staff to see this group win this game the way that they did, you know, that term, you know, finding a way to win? When you see a team perform like that, what do you think that does for the team going forward and just see their performances? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think, you know, the game obviously could have been easier if we score there and, you know, go up two scores um, when we're down there. and. Um, you know, we go for it, which, you know, that's the analytics. I'm sure a lot of people didn't like that, but six points doesn't do you a whole lot of good comparable, um, you know, to leaving a team down there um, or going up by 10. So, you know, to to see that, that would be a lot easier. So I like that better. But when these happen like this, it brings your team together and people got to rise up and they got to make plays. And it was cool because the defense made a play that somebody said, okay, well, we won the game. Well, no, there's still two and a half minutes. And they did it again. Uh, which was huge. Coach, last week you said you wanted Dart to rely more on his passing as opposed to his scrambling and his rushing. He did that tonight, today. Um, how does that make you feel, and what do you have to say about that? I thought Jackson played really well, um, which probably mean 
I'd be surprised I'd say that with you know a 22 point game. But I thought he did really well. Had the really poor decision, um, which was much like the Georgia Tech two minute with the interception. You know, which we need to get points there in the half with some momentum. And you know, we had a power read where he pulled it that would have scored down on that other, you know, on the other side end zone there. Um, other than that, I thought he played really well, really poised for a hard defense, a big game, uh, and made a lot of points. He seemed very composed. You know, it didn't seem like it rattled him at all. Otis didn't play that first half, and then comes the second half and makes a huge fourth down stop. And we talk about a lot of defensive backs, but just how important is he for, for this defense? Well, I think that, you know, um, you know, can really big. You know, since it's the first half and they come back and they're rested, you know, they're back after four games, so they were certainly rested today. So Otis got to sit for a half and came back, you know, excited to play and thought he did some good things in there, and, and we needed him too. Again, that, that's a hard run game. You know, they, they do really well, and you know, really good quarterback. I mean, their offensive coordinator said he's the first pick of the draft, so you know, that's pretty good defense to hold 19 points with the first pick of the draft. Now that it's happened three times, are you starting to get concerned about the second half offense, or is it still you see the indicators and you know that that's not too much of a concern? We'll go back and watch the film. Obviously, didn't feel great again, especially at the end, not to finish out. But you know, we did move the ball, um, just didn't finish drives there in the third quarter, and, and didn't have a lot because of the style that they play with. And that's going to be the case. You're not going to get a lot of chances, and got to make the most of them. And you know, left the ball down here on the four or five yard line instead of you know getting a touchdown. I know you probably think of these terms, but there were so many talks about this team not being tested through the first four weeks. How important is it to have proof of concept now against a top ten opponent? Well, I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's one game. Um, you know, let's look at the game as, you know, the coach does. And I think it could go either way. Really good team um, that plays really hard, really talented players, good coaching. So, you know, we're not all of a sudden got everything figured out, you know, because we made a play to win the game at the end. So we got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, and excited to get back to it and excited to stay undefeated. Back of the road. Uh, a lot has been made of the transfers and freshmen. This is a lot of their first SEC games on this team. How impressed were you by them and their poise taking on not just an SEC opponent, but a top 10 SEC opponent? Well, really good job. I mean, the offensive stats basically got, you know, basically almost all freshman running back and transfers. So outside of Mingo, so um, you know it's good they're coming together, and I think that if they continue to do that, I've always thought from the beginning of the year this could eventually be a special team, special team that got better because they just came together, kind of like you know NBA team with a bunch of free agents in the beginning of the year. So especially when it's a quarterback too. I've said from the beginning to these guys, it's a very talented room. It's more talented than the last two years of what we've had. But it doesn't even want to be a better team. You know, we've got to come together and, and do a lot of things. Coach, Michael Trigg obviously had a false start on fourth and one on that first drive. And you, you, let's just say you could have been happier. Can you just talk about that exchange and, and how he responded to that on the field? 
Yeah, that would not um, be pleasant. You're supposed to be on the ball and, you know, stop the play twice, whistle and over to get them on the ball. And so, you know, it's what it is. Again, like, you get new players, you have young players that come together, it doesn't all work. And, you know, it takes some time. And, uh, you know, Jackson will be a veteran someday, he'll, he'll move the guy on, you know, like, like I was trying to do, and, and help him out. So, it just was unfortunate because it's fourth and one. They're in a good look. We're just going to hand the ball off and make a first down and end up having a punt because of it. So, but he, he handled the punt. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head, and PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. And my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com slash TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com slash TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions podcast network. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We're going three. One, two, three. Let's go. Helmet stickers. I've already said it every single week. We hand out helmet stickers. David, your first helmet sticker goes to who? Jackson Dart. Listen, man, the growth was there. He he, he managed a big stage. Um, as you said, and I agree with you, he didn't make that terrible mistake. Uh, he did throw the interception right before the half. But other than that, he played within himself. He played within the offense. Helmet sticker, Jackson Dart. My first helmet sticker goes to Micah Pettis. Caleb wore in the starting center dress, but didn't start. He played the final Ole Miss offensive series in the first half. Once those snaps just were an untenable issue that had to be corrected, Caleb Warren went in. I felt like they wanted to avoid him, if at all possible, but it became impossible because the snaps were so bad. The left side of the offensive line was the same. Jaden Williams was at left tackle, and Nick Broker was at left guard. Eli Acker slid into center, and Jeremy James moved to guard and played incredible. First off, before I jump to Mike Pettis, I want your opinion on this. He was dominant today at guard. Is that where he's playing in the NFL? You know Jeremy Jones, James in his game better than anybody I know. I, I think he could play either position. Actually, he played some tackle today. He had a couple of snaps out there on the edge. It's his versatility, as I've been always preaching, that makes Jeremy James such an attractive pick for an NFL team if he leaves. Now, look. We don't know that he's going to leave. He may come back for another year um, to improve his draft stock. But right now, I think he's a he's probably a, a, a third-round pick right now, I would say. He was dominant 
as a guard today at right guard when he played right guard. And Micah Pettis was really good at right tackle. And it's notable, too, that Mason Brooks was a decorated signing out of the transfer portal. Everybody wanted him, almost got him over Auburn and a bunch of other power five schools. But Micah Pettis was the one they turned to when they needed to tackle. And that's not anything of a knock on Mason Brooks. That's just Jaden Williams, a redshirt freshman, and Micah Pettis, a redshirt freshman, coming on for an Ole Miss offensive line that needs it because this was the best offensive line performance they've had all year. It's look, and, and, and I had some smart ass get on the message board last week screaming about all we heard were your lies and BS about the depth they have on the offensive line. Now you're starting to see it, right? You got two redshirt freshmen starting at your tackle spots. Bring those receipts. That's what we're talking about. But you didn't see it last week or you didn't feel it. So I lied to you. That's, uh, you know, get off my board, whoever you are. <laughs> your second helmet sticker goes to who? The Ole Miss fan base. Hell okay? yes. Listen, I was sitting here going, I don't know if these people are going to be able to execute the stripe out, which looked beautiful, by the way. They did for the most part. The Kentucky fans bled over into some sections, which kind of screwed it up a little. But uh, And you turned out, you stayed, you were loud. Now you're proud. You got a 5-0 and football team. Look, I'm with you. Listen, I didn't want to watch those first four games either. I've got to admit, I mean, it, it was kind of, okay, we know what the result's going to be. Tulsa gave us a little bit of a scare in the fourth quarter, but – it was after you had blown them out and everybody was like, well, I'm going to the Grove. I get it. I understand it totally. Now that there's good football, nobody will ever say another word negative about the Ole Miss crowd. Lane Kiffin got on TV right after the game and uh, complimented the crowd as well. So uh, helmet sticker, every Ole Miss fan out there, whether you came to Oxford or not, there were more than 64,000 here. You guys all get a helmet sticker. Absolutely. And Lane Kiffin praised the crowd in very Lane Kiffin fashion afterwards when talking to ESPN. He said, when he said they were better than our four minute offense, because <laughs> their four minute offense did suck. But yeah. I will say about the crowd, this was predictable. For the whole yeah. week, the whole week you had <laughs> national coverage and Twitter trolls talking crap about Ole Miss and its attendance. And it wasn't helped by Lane Kiffin very publicly creating this story for people, this very lazy narrative for people by always talking about the crowd. And what I said on Twitter, and I stand by it right now as we do this post-game show, it's as if Tulsa and the lack of attendance for Tulsa was nothing more than the last of three home games in the first month of the season for Ole Miss against shitty competition. What do you expect? Is If it's four grand a pop for a family of four to attend an Ole Miss game, they're not going to spend 12000 to see wins over Troy, Central Arkansas, and freaking Tulsa. But they'll show yeah. up for Kentucky, and Ole Miss fans showed up and showed out. That's exactly what you can always expect. Ole Miss fans don't lack for support. Look at the freaking national championship run in baseball. What other program in the country, and I'm including Mississippi State as I get a little heated here, what other uh, program in the country is going to bring that many thousands of people to Omaha, Nebraska, the middle of nowhere, for a college baseball national championship? Nobody. Look, look, I haven't map-quested this, but Norman, Oklahoma is a hell of a lot closer to Omaha, Nebraska, than Oxford, Mississippi is. And Oklahoma 
had very little representation out there at the College World Series. Look, no blight mark on the Ole Miss fans at all. <clears throat> we all knew what this schedule was. Your head coach kept insinuating what it was, a preseason. You, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and, and if now, your head coach is talking about a preseason, does he really expect, like if you were an NFL head coach, regular season crowds for preseason games? No, no. And they showed no. up today. So lay off the fans, everybody. The fans did their part. Stop pretending or trying to make some bullcrap narrative about Ole Miss uh, fans and how they support winners. They always support when you give them something to support. My second helmet yeah. sticker. Well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, I do got to say, if I read one more back in 1958 story, <laughs> the students would get there four hours before the game and then, you know, wait and shake the players' hands after the game and all that. God, it was 1958. I mean, I wasn't born in 1958. Most of us weren't born in 1958. Very, very few. So, just, yeah, just move on, Ben. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Ole Miss and this running game entered the day, ranked fourth in the country in rushing. So, naturally, my second helmet sticker is going to go to the guy that led that attack, Quinshawn Judkins, the true freshman, that I feel like we could give one to every single week. But definitely today, 15 carries, 106, one touchdown, along a 48, the touchdown run that sounded like this. Right through the middle, Quentin Judkins! Touchdown, Ole Miss! 48 yards for the true freshman. After that run, Ole Miss led 14 to nothing. Now Kentucky came back and the defense had to win it in the end, but Quinshawn Judkins just keeps doing it, David, over and over. Your third helmet sticker goes to who? Malik Keith. I love Ole Miss's big play wide receiver. Six catches, 100 yards today. Didn't get in the end zone, but, hey, that's okay. He set some stuff up. You know, we were kind of thinking, hey, it's either going to be Jonathan Mingo or Malik Keith. So far it's been Malik Keith as the big play wide receiver. But you can't take anything away from Malik Heath. Big game today. He deserves a helmet sticker. My final third helmet sticker goes to Jonathan Cruz, Ole Miss kicker, the swaggiest kicker hey, hey. in the country. Nailed a 53-yarder. <laughs> Cold-blooded killer. A 26-yard uh, field goal in the um, – I guess it was – I can't remember when it was. But made two field goals, 53 and 26. That 53-yard field goal is the longest for an old Miss kicker since 2012. Yeah, and listen, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. I mean, I know who Cruz is, so, you know, if I saw him on the street, I'd know who he was. I'm at the NIL press conference Friday afternoon in the end at Ole Miss, and they bring in some student athletes, and Jonathan's one of them. And, uh, you know, he's standing up there next to the seven-foot-tall pine tree offensive lineman and defensive lineman and – you know, if somebody asked you, pick the one that's out of place, you would pick Jonathan Cruz, right? You don't think football player. Doesn't matter. Man, he's got magic in that leg. Good choice, Ben. Good choice. To close it out, we play Who Won the Week. We're going three. One, two, three. Let's go. Who Won the Week? All right, David, who won the week in Ole Miss's 22-19 to 19 win over Kentucky? Man, I got to go back to my guy Jackson Dart. I really do. I mean, this this is a, a, the the stage was so big today. You know, this wasn't some uh, 
11 o'clock SEC Network game. This is ESPN, national TV, everybody in the country watching. They had the flyover camera there. You know, F- F-15s or whatever flew over during free game. This was probably the biggest game he's ever played in. He handled it well. Uh, I feel more confident about the Ole Miss quarterback position moving ahead, more confident than I ever have. Me too. Uh, this Perfect call because if you think about particular instances where you went, oh, that's different. That's a different Jackson Dart. I always point to Ole Miss is up 22 to 19 in the second half. There was a bad snap, one of the many bad snaps that put them behind with their first play on a drive. And they're already deep in their own territory. And they're like second and 15. Dart is unnecessarily roughed. They didn't call it because these refs sucked. And then on third and 15 or plus 15, he completes to uh, Michael Trigg on a dart of a throw, pardon the pun, over the middle and converts. That's different. Or even when Ole Miss is calling and going correctly for the, the touchdown instead of settling for three, the field goal and going up six, they're late in the fourth quarter. Um, and they get the turnover on downs. It was the right call. The math tells you to go – Lane Kiffin's going to go nine times out of ten or ten times out of ten. So don't even try to debate it, even if you disagree with it. That was the call they're always going to make. And Jackson Dart, while it was an incompletion, David, he gets pressure in his face. He moved in the pocket all, all well all day today. But he steps up, avoids the pressure, and at least gives a wide receiver the opportunity to make a play. It wasn't going to be complete. It was going to be a miraculous Hail Mary effort to complete that pass. But he's to step up and give your team a chance to go for that touchdown, knowing that it is fourth down. It is turnover on downs. Those two plays, I went, yeah, this is a different Jackson Dart. So if you're looking ahead to the season now, because Ole Miss has got this win, and thinking Ole Miss can get to 9-0 and um, going into Alabama, I'm with you. I have never felt more confident in that possibility until today. This is the first time I've truly felt this confident about it. I agree 100%. Um, hope Jackson studies hard tonight. It's going to get wild in Oxford tonight, Ben. It's going to be crazy. Think you going to go out? Are you going to go have some fun? You know, uh, on the way to Baskin Robbins tonight, about eight o'clock, I may, I may <laughs> drive slowly through the square or something. But uh, that, that'll be about it. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn Bama and Arkansas on. I'll, I'll pay attention a little bit A&M and State and. Uh, just have a, a pretty boring Saturday night. I'll let the younger Rebels get the party on. But you know it's going on, man. It's going to be crazy. And, uh, oh, if I were 18, 19 years old again. I'm going to leave you with this and give you the final word here because I'm going to be honest. I said this to a couple of friends via text. I think this team might be better than last year. From top to bottom, depth-wise, I agree. Obviously, the glaring exception is Matt Corral's not playing quarterback. If Matt Corral were on this team, it would be a legitimate national championship contender in nobody in, in everybody's mind. And it still might be. Um, this is a team that's going to have to work and get a few breaks along the way to put itself in that conversation. But to set back right now with this team 5-0, and likely going to be 7-0, and going to Baton Rouge, that's likely going to be a win, too. And, and now we see they can beat Texas A&M. It kind of all boils down. And then I'm putting the cart before the horse. But it could boil down to November 12th in Alabama and Oxford. And, um, you know, 
this is a team that the sky's the limit. If you don't believe me, think back a few months to baseball. I mean, you can do it at Ole Miss with the right mindset. And Lane Kiffin has brought that mindset here to Ole Miss. Um, enjoy it, Rebel fans. Uh, embrace it. You know, they may be talking about that 2022 season in 2050. You know, some of you young cats on the message boards may be bringing up that 2022 season. So uh, enjoy it, man. This is going to be a fun year. He's David Johnson. I'm Ben Garrett. I'll see you on Overreaction Monday. Oh, yeah. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.